Hey guys, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Life from the perspective of a military family member is way different than a civilian standpoint. Military children and family members give up their hopes and dreams to be able to stand by and support their service member, and it isn't an easy lifestyle for anyone to live. I hope that this podcast is able to help connect the military community and give others just a glimpse into what the military life is like from the perspective of spouses and children. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Grace of Military Child and Life podcast. Today, I'm here with Katie, who is a Air Force spouse. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for inviting me to talk about um, my life as a military spouse, but more importantly, what my children have gone through, which obviously pertains directly to this podcast. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, So kind of start by telling me what it's like being a military spouse and the, the experiences you've had and the journey you've been on. Sure. Um, it's for us, for me, it has been an unexpected journey. I did not grow up in a military family like you did. Um, and in fact, you know, I grew up in the same town that my parents were born in and their parents were born in. So to, to leave not only my hometown, but my state and, and not really have lived there for the past 15 years, um, was not what I expected for myself. However, um, I, thanks to the military, I've been literally all over the world. My children (laughs) have been all over the world. Um, like I said, we've been married 15 years. My husband just hit his 15 year mark in the air force and we have PCS, um, I think this is move number 12 in 15 years. So mathematically that sounds insane. And it has been exactly (laughs) that insane. Um, You know, I've had babies born on TDYs. Um, I've had my youngest was born in Okinawa, Japan and has a very interesting consular birth, born abroad birth certificate. Um, (laughs) So all these things, I think that if you had told me in, you know, high school when I was you know, 16 that I would be doing, I think I would be shocked at myself, but it's been a unexpected, but also incredibly impactful and memorable life. And I don't think I'd change it (laughs) maybe here and there, (laughs) maybe a few, maybe fewer deployments, but, um, it's, it's been really neat. And, um, we are now living in Hawaii. We've been here a year. We'll be here another year. And just the fact alone that we live in Hawaii and have had this opportunity to take our kids here has been phenomenal. And we feel very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, say they want to even just go vacation in Hawaii, like let alone live in Hawaii. Well, and my children, (laughs) bless their hearts, they don't understand how lucky they are just yet. So I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old who's almost five. And, um, you know, prior to this, like I said, we lived in Okinawa, Japan, which is some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Yes. Um, and then we lived in Monterey, California for a year and a half before this, again, some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And now here in Hawaii, and I try to explain people spend their whole life and their whole saved income to try to come to these places. (laughs) You've, you've lived in. So I do hope when they look back, they realize how lucky they've been and how lucky I've been. Yeah. It's, really incredible. And like my fiance yeah, was I'm just, very fortunate. Yeah. My fiance was just in Okinawa and uh-huh. like, you know, sending, seeing the pictures that he'd send uh-huh. me and all of that. It's incredible. We would love to go back. I mean, who knows what's on the table next, but we would love to go back. It was a great experience. And it's a, the Japanese culture is a wonderful place to raise children. Um, yeah. and, uh, it was a great support system. And that's actually when we, when we were stationed in Japan, that's was the time at which I wrote 
my children's book again, unexpectedly, <laughs> but um, it it had to do with um, my children experiencing uh, definitely not our first appointment by any means, but my son at the time had finally reached the age, uh, I believe he was about five, where he really felt his dad's absence for the first time and he understood the length of time. And um, it was a game changer for us. So right. that's that's how the, the book um, Air Force Ace came to be was simply I wrote a story for my kids and thought maybe I should do something more with this or try because clearly they're not the only children going through deployments. Yeah. There are like last, you know, I was doing research for Mm -hmm. the college assignment and, you know, 1.7 million military kids, like there, there's an insane number of military kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of them experienced, you know, similar journeys and, you know, deployments and moving and, Mm -hmm. you know, TDYs and everything, you know, combined into it. And they all struggle in, you know, different and unique ways through Mm -hmm. it. And it's hard at such a young age. For sure. And, um, you know, it's summertime right now, so it's PCS season. Right. And I've talked to a lot of friends about this, both with deployment and moving, you think the more you do it, the easier it gets, but it's entirely the opposite. Um, your children get older and they get more aware of their emotions and the absences and the big changes. And with those big changes come bigger emotions, the bigger they get. So again, for somebody who grew up in my grew up in one place, my entire life until I was 18 and went off to college, I didn't know how to help my kids through that. You know, I still am learning how to help my kids through that, through those huge changes. And the truth is when we, when my husband goes away and when your fiance goes away, you know, like those are hard on the adults. Yeah. (laughs) So trying to manage your own, uh, own emotions along with trying to help little children through it too, is there's not a, there's not really a a good recipe. You just kind of have to muddle your way through it each time. <laughs> and each time comes yeah. with different set of circumstances. Yeah. You never can, you know, I mean, you said, you know, unexpectedly for so many different things and mm-hmm. you have to be able to take those unexpected moments and, you know, figure it out along the way, figure it out along the journey. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard on the spouses to understand some things, especially if you don't come from a military background. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to be able to, you know, convey it and put it in words that kids are going to understand. Yeah. And kids can can be able to to cope with it and mm-hmm. get through those situations too. Mm-hmm. And and that was um, kind of what jump started me on writing Air Force Ace, um, which is basically a children's book I wrote for my own kids. And it's told through the lens of the family dog, which he actually exists. Air Force <laughs> Ace. Ace is the do- the name of the dog. And he is, he will be 16 years old in um, October. Wow. And he's been all around the world with us too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the whole point was, you know, when my husband went on that deployment in, from Okinawa, I had, my daughter was six months old and my son was, I think about four or five. And, um, you know, my, my thought was, well, the most experienced of all of us with deployments is the dog. Right. (laughs) He's been through the most. So I wrote a story for them 
based on our dog's perspective of what he, he, um, found out about deployments to bring home kind of the message or the knowledge of what a deployment is because kids, military kids hear that over and over and over again. But what does that mean? What does a deployment mean? You know, for them, it just means my dad's gone or my mom's gone or my loved one is gone. Um, but what does that actually look like in their head? You know? Right. So the whole point was that the dog smuggles himself aboard, um, his father's aircraft and goes to, you know, an un- it's never named, but a very desert like place <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and finds out, you know, that his dad is with, with other helpers, um, with other active duty members and, and what they're doing, what it looks like sleeping. It's just kind of trying to get, give, um, children an idea and a visual perspective of what their loved one is doing to make it a little bit less foreign and also to kind of find commonalities um, between what their their loved one is doing and what their daily life is like back home, to make it just a little bit less mysterious and a little bit for, little bit less foreign. Um, yeah. So that was the idea of the book, and and I wrote it for my kids, like I said, and I didn't really intend to do anything more with it. But um, I've worked with a lot of military um, support agencies. Um, like military one source or um, HODIF, which is an Air Force special operations program or the USO or things like that. And there's a lot of um, material out there, which is wonderful. But I found that it was geared more toward little, little kids, like three, four-year-olds. And while that's important, um, like I said, I found that the older my children got, the harder the harder the emotions got to manage, understandably, because they had bigger emotions. Um, Their world was bigger, you know, they understood more. So I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of, there's kind of a gap, you know, between little kids, what they're going through and support of, of, um, you know, tweens and teens. And so I thought maybe that there was a place for the book to be geared toward those elementary age kids and talk to them a little bit more about deployment because, they're a hundred percent aware of what's going on and they a hundred percent feel the absence of their loved one. And they, they deserve, you know, they have big, big questions and they need to have some real answers that aren't, um, you know, sugarcoated, I guess. Yeah. And you so. know, once you hit that like teen and teen age, you really understand what's going on mm-hmm. because you know you're exposed to more you're in the schools you have like mm-hmm. you know the news like mm-hmm. you have yeah. all these resources where you're like very aware of what's going on economically politically socially like in the entire world yes. you have you yeah. can understand that but at an elementary age you really you can't relate to that and you can't understand mm-hmm. what's going on and so the thing of okay there's you know people fighting and why is mm-hmm. you know my parent yeah. gone and why is yeah. my my mom or dad fighting you don't understand yeah. that at that age it's not easy to navigate um how to answer a lot of those questions but I found with my own children you know they wanted real answers I don't have to give them all the details yeah. you know they don't they don't need the nitty-gritty but they do deserve truthful answers that aren't without their questions being kind of pushed to the side. So that was the goal of the book to give an, enough information to answer their questions and also to bring them a little bit of peace and a little bit of confidence um, and a little bit of pride simultaneously. Right. 
and um, to remind kids that they can have, and, and adults too, during going through a deployment, that they can have all those emotions. They can be proud of what their loved one is doing. They can miss them. They can be even a little bit angry. You know, they can have all those things at once. That's totally normal. And that's what everybody has as a human being is mixed emotions. And that's, I think, um, heightened with deployment to know like, yes, I'm proud that my, that, that my loved one is away doing something important. Um, I'm happy they're doing what they love or, um, I'm also mad that they're missing out on my baseball game, you know, or they're not (laughs) here for my birthday or what have you. So I'm, yeah, that was the, that was the goal of the book. And, uh, it's been, it's been interesting because I, I wrote it, gosh, probably, you know, almost coming up on four years. And the publishing process takes way longer than you think. And the illustration process takes way longer than you think. Right. Um, and it was all brand new to me. And um, I don't know if, if your fiance or your dad is like this, but when I watch military movies with my husband, he will just, I don't want to say tear it apart, but he will notice everything that is incorrect and inaccurate yes. <laughs> and point it out. So I made it part of the, part of the book. Um, and here I'll show it to you. The illustrations, um, I, the, the illustrator and I worked painstakingly long, long hours to, to animate, um, the, you know, the aircraft had to be correct. Um, we wanted to make sure we showed a diverse, diverse group of active duty in terms of appearance and gender. Um, but I knew that military families were going to be reading this. So I said, we have to make sure the illustrations are accurate. Yeah. <laughs> no room for error. So we did really well on that. And it was published and finished in February of 2020. So I had all the, we were in uh, Monterey, California at the time. And I had um, lots of things lined up like um, a, a meeting with um, Hearts Apart, which is a deployment, a, a program for um, deployed families. And that mm-hmm. was at a Travis Air Force Base. So that's an Air Force um, specific, I think, Air Force specific program. But I had a whole thing lined up with them to go do like a meet and greet, bring the actual Air Force ace dog. Yeah. Um, And I had stuff with like the USO lined up, all these wonderful things. And then, of course, in March, (laughs) COVID happened. The world shut down. So that, that definitely shifted my plan. Um, initially it made me panic <laughs> to say yeah. the least about like, oh my gosh, I have this book and published book. And now what do I do? Um, right. but in a weird twist of fate, um, because the world shut down and because programs like hearts apart and programs, um, that the USO would put on to bring deployed families together. Um, what else? POTIF, um, which is Preservation of the Force and Family, another Air Force-specific program. I worked with Army Community Services. Um, all those programs couldn't do anything in person suddenly. Right. So um, it actually, I was, I'm probably one of the rare people that COVID benefited because <laughs> what they instead did is they did a bulk purchases of the book and then would distribute them like in, in curbside book bags, activity bags. Um, and then we would do online readings and question and answers with Air Force Ace. So 
it definitely took a different turn, but it worked out really well. And in the end reached a lot of kids. Yeah. And, and my favorite part is it reached a lot of military children at no cost to them because these military agencies provided the funds to buy them and then distribute them to kids and families who were actually going through deployment. So um, that was actually a blessing in disguise. But when COVID initially hit, I, I was beside myself <laughs> because everything <laughs> that I had planned and kind of what I had envisioned for getting the book marketed, getting it out there, plan scrapped and back to plan, back to square one. So, um, but yeah, so it, it's worked out and it's, uh, it's been an unexpected journey. There's that word again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, COVID, you know, changed everything <clears throat> and there are things that have changed and improved, you know, because of COVID, but mm-hmm you know, there are so many things that, that have failed, you know, because of COVID mm-hmm. and so many projects that had to have been pushed aside because, mm-hmm. because of it. And, you know, some things have been gone to take shape again and some things haven't, but, you know, just by like what happened with your book and being able to give it to military kids and to mm-hmm. give it to them at no cost, it's like, you're reaching so many more people because, you know, that's when it's going to get shared more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to, to get yourself out there like that. But sometimes, you know, these situations that suck like COVID, you know, help to, right. to help spread the word and things like that. Absolutely. And for me, that still is kind of the, the biggest challenge with the book. And, um, uh, I'm not a, I don't, have a lot of confidence in self-promotion and self-marketing, but that is entirely what you have to do. Um, you know, once you have that book in your hand, it is up to you to get it to the people that you wanted to reach. So it's a little bit uncomfortable, but in the end, and even despite COVID or maybe because of COVID, I reached out to the same agencies, the same military support agencies that I took advantage of, um, when my family where my husband was deployed and I needed to rely on those. So I needed to rely on the USO for um, just support in various ways and things like that. So I reached out to the very same people who supported me and with the hope being that I can kind of return a little bit what I've taken and what I've reaped. So it's, it's been a nice kind of um, full circle when it came to that. Yeah, it's definitely you know, something that I'm realizing in the military community, which is so awesome and incredible that, you know, these spouses, you know, come in, you know, as kind of like, you know, the freshmen in high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) or of college and, you know, they're learning they're, you know, and I'm included in that, (laughs) like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm learning everything. And so you go through this process of trying to figure everything out and trying to learn everything. And there's so many military spouses that have gone before and Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, giving back and teaching and helping learn. And, uh, whether that be through, you know, even children's books, like, Mm-hmm. you know, because I'm going to have kids one day and I'm yeah. not going to know what to tell them, even though I was a military kid. Right. It's, it's so different in the world nowadays. Mm-hmm. I grew up with the Afghanistan conflict and that's right. You know what my dad fought in, there's yep. going to be something else that, you know, my fiance will fight in or, mm-hmm. you know, take part in. And sure. I'm not going to understand what my kids are going through with that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about 
just in my 15 years as a military spouse, when my husband and I first got married and he went on his first deployment, um, you know, that, that was the time when they lived in what was called like the bee huts, like the plywood, um, shacks basically. (laughs) And they, you would, you'd have a scheduled phone call that was limited or, you know, eventually it became Skype you know, scheduled, (laughs) but nevertheless, it was still scheduled. It was still limited. You could see somebody in the background walking back and forth timing, you know? Right. And if you weren't home to answer that phone or to be on that Skype meeting, you would miss your loved one for the week, you know? And by the time my husband had his last deployment, you know, he had Wi-Fi in his room and we could FaceTime. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's an ever changing, obviously the world is ever changing, but even within such a short period of time, the military the military family is ever evolving. And um, like you were saying, even for you, even though you're a military child, like what you went through versus what your children will go through is going to be entirely different. Yeah. And, you know, technology is going to just continue to evolve. And while right now we're like, okay, well, you know, deployments are going to come and we're not going to be able to talk much, you know, through deployments, Mm -hmm. who knows? And, you know, 15 years what what it's going to look like and you know the communication that he could have on the other mm-hmm. side of the world you know back home here yeah it really is not how much it's changed in such a short time and it's going to keep continuing that way um yeah are you able to talk to your fiance much in Okinawa He's not there anymore. He's back okay. in the States. So okay. um when he was there uh we talked quite a bit though but mm-hmm the 13 hour, 14 hour time sure. change mm-hmm. is a lot. And so mm-hmm. that made it difficult. Um, mm-hmm. He thinks I'm crazy for doing this. But I would literally wake up at 5 36 o'clock in the morning uh-huh. to talk to him for between 10 minutes and an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he'd go to bed and then he'd wake up at like three or four my time to, mm-hmm. you know, start going to work. Right. And we'd talk you know, between then and when I'd go to bed and Mm -hmm. I'd stay up till like 12 o'clock, like midnight, one o'clock talking to him because Mm -hmm. I could. And, you know, everyone's like, you're so crazy for doing that. And he thinks I'm crazy for doing it too. But it's like, you have to do what you, what you have to do. Sometimes you have to make the space. You have to make the space. It's an unorthodox life and you have to, if you don't adapt and if you don't make the time and the pattern of like just making it work, yeah, you're just going to face challenge after challenge. So you might as well, you know, right. create the habit of figuring it out because that's really all you can do. I actually yeah. had to last year, I did a, a reading for um, preservation of the force and family at Kadena Air Base in Okinawa. Oh, wow. And um, they they scheduled me. Um, nobody, neither party on either side really thought through it much, but by the time I did the math, I was like, um, uh-huh, okay, I guess I'm getting up at three 30 oh <laughs> in the morning. Um, and I think, I think it was like a 4 PM. I can't quite remember like a dinner time. They did yeah. a really lovely, like dinner and book drop off for deployed families again, COVID. Um, but it was a great solution given the circumstances. And I was still really excited to be a part of it, especially because we had just come from Kadena, but, um, yeah, nobody did the math on that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why like, um, 
everyone would ask me what time it was. There. But you know, I I was the only one who. Asked. Yeah. Yeah. They'd ask me what time it is there. And I'm like, well, so like here right now it's 427. It's like 527 a.m. there. Right. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) It's still like Monday here. It's Tuesday Mm -hmm. morning there. Yep. It's crazy. Exactly. Yep. And it's um, 1028 here in Hawaii time. Yeah. Exactly. So So that's another like huge struggle is like, you Mm -hmm. know, finding Mm -hmm. times. Uh, across even time zones too. Yep. And my husband typically, um, he, the aircraft he flies, flies at night. So that always throws an additional wrench into it that, you know, you're across the world, but your nights are your days. Like it's, yeah, it's very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I still, I I always have to have like a separate clock that has his actual time. And then I have to remind myself, but oh yes, but he's also sleeping during the daytime where he is. So you have to factor that in. So yeah. it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the last question I always like sure. to ask is mm-hmm. what advice would you give to another military spouse? Sure. I think that if I could go back um, and be where I am now and talk to myself when I first joined this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've had people say to me, and it's very unhelpful. So this is one piece of advice. Never say, <laughs> never say to an airport or excuse me, a military spouse. Well, you know what you got yourself into because you don't, right. <laughs> you fell in love with somebody and you decided to share your life with them and life in general is unexpected for everybody, you know, yes. but, um, you really don't know what you're getting with the military. And even the military member, when they initially sign up has no idea what's coming their way. So that's very unhelpful. I think when people say that, um, it certainly doesn't, whatever you're going through, it doesn't change it and it doesn't make it less painful or less um, challenging. So really what you're needing in those moments is support and sympathy, you know, or just somebody to talk to, not, Hey, get over it kind of thing. Um, but I think what I encourage spouses to do and what I would encourage myself to do, I had to learn this and everybody kind of has to go through their own learning process, but just do your best to jump in wherever you are, whatever your comfort zone is, do your best to jump into the community, to find your people, or at least a person. Um, you know, there've been times and there's been locations, I think, where they were not what I, where I wanted to be. Um, and it can be, it can be easy to go down the road of isolating yourself and being upset and just wanting the time to pass. And to get on to the next location or to get through the the next TDY or to get through the next deployment and to just wish that time away. Um, But then when you have, you know, when you have children, especially, you realize that that's not a way to live life. And you don't want them to do that either, to wish the time away. Right. So my, my advice to my younger self and my advice to any young military spouse is just do your best to connect in the local community. Do your best to connect to whatever um, military location you're in, whether it's your favorite place, your least favorite place. And I think more often than not, you'll hear a military spouse say like, you know, I did not like that location when we first got there. Um, we've been, we've been in some really, um, remote and, um, unattractive places, (laughs) a lot of desert, (laughs) a lot of desert places. And in the end, they end up being some of your favorite places because you just meet people and, um, because you don't have a lot maybe 
to do, whether it be outdoor activities or there's just not, it's not a bustling place to be. You really lean on each other and you become, you become second family, you know? Um, and as you go about your military, your husband or your spouse's military career, and you of course follow that along and you adapt to the military life, you will have relationships with people, you know, from three, four, five bases or locations or camps or, or forts previous that are still your people. You know, I still talk to on a daily basis, people, um, girlfriends from, you know, when we were in England in 2000, over, over a decade ago, and they're still your people. Um, and you just have to put yourself out there a little bit, be a little bit bold to connect with those people and the support you'll get back in return, um, is life-giving and it makes military life, not just bearable, but really rewarding. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, it's so important to create that community around you mm-hmm. and, you know, more more or less fall in love with wherever you are, no matter what it takes. Absolutely. And I think that with that, you know, you can't always expect the community to come to you. You have to put yourself out there a little bit, whether it's, um, you know, joining a mom's group if you're a young mom or if it's um, becoming part of the the spouses program or a key spouse or even just a part of a local um, like volunteer group or something. Just find find something that interests you and latch on and put yourself out there. And I think that a community will develop around you and you'll find you'll find your people and you'll yeah. often carry carry them with you. <laughs> yes of course well thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing you know so many different things and sharing about your book um where can people find you on socials sure so the best um option is to um find me on instagram at air force ace book and not only is the book itself available if you um reach out and contact me via that method you can also purchase a signed copy including a dog paw print from actual Air Force Ace. But I do like to post um, kind of the adventures of Ace himself. So you get to kind of see where Ace has been as well and what he's doing on a daily basis in his old retired age in Hawaii. (laughs) Um, And then you can also email me at um, airforceacebook at gmail.com or there's also a Facebook page, Air Force Ace or a children's book, Air Force Ace, a children's book. So yeah, all those methods are great. And then there are various, um, there are various copies still available at, um, military, like army community services, depending on where you are or, um, through POTUS, Air Force, um, that kind of stuff. So that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Gracie. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child and Life. Make sure to set a reminder for every Tuesday to listen to a new episode. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Grace of a Military Child and Life. If you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, send a message to one of our social media platforms or email grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. See you next week.